video. Today's podcast is brought to you by drinkers like you. To help support the show, visit patreon.com slash have a drink show. We're going to talk about some of the best Scotch-style whiskeys in the world. Japanese whiskeys. Have we done some of this before? Sure. But we're better now and can ask the hard-hitting questions like, does Japan even have peat for this? Apparently so. But do they even use it? Join us as we're going to go through the history of this newer whiskey style. And if you want to drink along, maybe take out a second mortgage. Either way, we're going to have a drink. Welcome to Have a Drink, the show where you learn along with us about what you drink. I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. I'm Christopher Walker. And I'm Casey Price. Hey, everybody. Howdy, y'all. Howdy, y'all. I was just kind of moving out of the way to show what we've been up to. Okay. Is Are they? The, yeah. For the for the audio listeners, he's uh, showing a cat stand with two small kittens uh, plummeting to their deaths. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, we they got used to having like these dagger hook claws, and we clipped them today, and now they're having problems hanging on things. Uh, look, I just watched two of them hold hands and jump off the edge. They they knew what this was. <laughs> oh so, yeah. So uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's been a couple weeks since we last we last met for three hours to get sloshed on uh, Japanese spirits. <laughs> well, yeah, we're, we're just staying in Japan lately. Man, that just has me like keep thinking about maybe next year I'll get to go for my company. <laughs> my boss is getting to go this year and I'm like, God bless him. We're going to go next one year, day. Be yeah. One day. Yeah. Um, I don't think, uh, I think cats have been majority of what we've been up to. What are the what are the cats' names? Jonesy and Karomi. Okay. Because our child couldn't be asked to name it because he'd name it Kiki. Because he names everything mm-hmm. Kiki. We're out for a walk. He names the birds Kiki. Whatever. Oh, it's Kiki. Oh, okay. So we got an orange cat, and I was like... No one gets to name it. I'm naming it. Its name is Jonesy. <laughs> Why is its name Jonesy, you ask? <laughs> hmm. 
because Ellen Ripley's cat. It was the second survivor of the Nostromo. Game over, man. That orange cat could survive a xenomorph. Trying to find a good. Uh, Nothing survi- could survive cryosleep, did it? Um, no. You know, I don't remember now. Because wasn't it like the beginning of the? It's just like the, gone. The, yeah. The thing that the thing that hurt hurt Ripley the most was the cat was dead. Also, all of her family was long dead, but the cat. But yeah, such a span of time had passed. It's like, oh yeah, it's been like eight hundred years. Yeah, <laughs> like your entire you know lineage is gone. Like there's no there's no descendants. There's nothing. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Hmm. I think that's what I like about the Alien franchise. It's so bleak. <laughs> it's just awful. Oh, God. and then yeah, the other one's Karomi because Brittany's heavily into Hello Kitty. Me and oh. I meant both, thank you. Because when I brought up the I, name, he was like, <gasps> I thought you were just really trying to uh, uh, pay homage to Karamo of, of Queer Eye fame and I guess real world fame. Mm. Fair point. Um, did you say that Tan and his husband just had another child? I'm like, oh. I did not. No. I, it was so funny I, on, on. I don't follow them on the socials. I, I watch them when they have the shows. Fair. Um, it was. I barely follow you guys on the socials. Uh, <laughs> Scott was talking about. I think it was on, on Good Day Internet, on DTNS. But he was like, because you because know, Tan and his husband live in U- in Salt Lake City in Utah, like literally in Scott's area, and mm-hmm. um. He he said he saw them at the zoo, and he was like, that man. Is more he doesn't. No one else deserves to be around. Like he's so attractive. <laughs> it's like it's just why? so handsome. He, just, he, he was talking about Tan, obviously, but like he, he was like, "Why are you here? <laughs> like the rest of us shouldn't be here." And it was just it was just funny to hear him talk about. It. He's like, "It's just he's so good looking." <laughs> I was like, "Okay," but he said he saw he saw them. Um, he was like, oh, yeah, they, they took their son to the zoo. And I'm like, okay, they're just out walking around. But yeah, I mean, that's what people do with children. They take them to zoos. One yeah. of my, I, I still, early memory of my childhood is, uh, I guess it's the Louisville Zoo. They have like the little dome thing that you go underground and you can pop your head up and like a little prairie dog style thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, like, I still remember doing that as a child. And I had to have been like five or younger. Uh, I saw those things like not... Uh, several years back, but you know, probably like you know, two decades later, it's like, oh wow, either they don't clean those anymore, or I, I just imagined as a child that I could see things, or I have glaucoma. I'm not sure which. <laughs> the whole world was pristine at one time. <laughs> at one time, yes, and it's been quite a while since anybody's cleaned dick all. <laughs> and uh. my floors are horrendous. Uh, it, it appears uh, having two cats. Uh, not good for the cleanliness of the floors. But also, yeah, like, there's... we've basically had babies again, because I oh, told yeah. him, like, every Everywhere. every 10 minutes, I'm like, what is that? Where did you get that? Get that out of your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, except that doesn't go away. You just have pets now. You just constantly have toddlers. Yeah. Basically. Well, no, I mean, they're cats. They'll eventually get to a point to where they don't want to do anything. They just want to, like, lay. And they're just like, leave me alone. 
I mean, not if you fix them fast enough. Oh, we're getting a, as soon as possible because they're uh, male and female. So we're like, when is it advisable? How early? And they're already. siblings, but also it's like, but kittens don't understand. Like cats don't yeah. understand uh, genetics. They're like mm-hmm. six months. I'm like, cool. In four months, we're marking the calendar that we're setting. <laughs> British that appointment. Royal. Cats are the okay, well, animals are like the British royal family. They don't <laughs> understand. You have to spread the genes apart. <laughs> There's your Eddie Izzard for your bingo cards, everyone. I'm telling you I'm making a graphic for that. Susie Susie Izzard. I just wish that, long. like... Yeah. I know, it was pretty soon. Um, all right, uh, Bob, what have you been up to? Nothing. Casey, how about you? <laughs> Nothing. Moving on. Yeah. All right. <laughs> boring, boring couple it's, weeks. Yeah, I look, all it's been at work is just we've had people out one week after another, so it's just been head down blinders on get the job done so there's literally been nothing going on in my life face down brump up that's the way that's i the like way to, I like to get out that's that's the way i like to get work done yeah it helps my lower back to <laughs> exercise it that way your neck your lower back uh no my my spine popped in the beginning of this episode and i was pretty sure i couldn't feel my feet for a few minutes God. i would kill for that <laughs> Just wait. Come oh God, I don't know if I can get to the microphone. Jesus, uh, I'm trying these new nuts. How about these nuts? <laughs> oh. All right. What? What? They're nuts? the flavored almonds. Yeah, they are. Oh, oh. flavored with Mexican what? street corn. Oh, a little might, weird. That's that sounds like it would taste good, but almonds are too much work to like chew. They're too hard of a mm. nut. <laughs> My favorites are like walnuts or like pecans, where it's just like, oh, practically, practically, you know, they're practically chew themselves. They're old man nuts. Yes. I, I learned it... I learned to eat nuts from my grandfather, cracking walnuts out in his <laughs> out in his yard. What do you want from me? I'm, I'm a rather big fan of just honey roasted peanuts. I mean, peanuts also good. Not bad. Cashews also good. Cashews. I feel like these need more lime to them. They need more tanginess more food needs tanginess it's true my problem with cashews you can't really eat too like well i guess it's a good thing because you can't eat too many in one sitting because it really wears on you quick you're just like man these are just like too rich and kind of like oily and just oh you say that i'll buy whole whole tens (laughs) and just where'd the ten go pistachios uh Mm, Mexican, the Mexican, the Mexican new podcast guys have a nut wait no <laughs> no that, up, that, that it's, name's it's, not gonna fly it's seven episodes and in and we're so out of content ways. yeah uh do you have start arguing about legumes god uh <laughs> the mexican street corn thing i we got a the dip from costco of mexican street street corn dip i'm in love. really they make a they make a mexican street corn chewing tobacco you <laughs> I hear dip. That's the first thing I think of. That's unfortunate. <laughs> first I, where did we grow up? I know, I know. Yeah. Uh we also have to confront the uh amazingness of the Costco quesadillas. Oh my god. Oh man. We've been uh throwing them bad boys in the uh the old cast iron. Oh mm. so good. I was thinking it was like a, a Costco hot dog situation, but you mean literally 
like a bulk order of bulk box of no, yeah, they it's make like, them. It's not a thing that you buy in like the freezer section or something. It's, they, it's a pre-prepared meal, but it's not. They're not frozen or something. Mm-hmm. You know, because like every every store, even Costco, has the thing where they make the you know whatever meals are, and a lot of the Costco ones are amazing. Costco, though, it's like they Jurassic. Really... It's like Jurassic Park because they've got the big glass thing, and you can see them back there making them, like preparing mm-hmm. them. And but no, it's great. They like throw it in the cast iron and like get them nice and crisp on one side. Oh, so good. pretty tasty. All right. Then I, will, about, uh, I will say the highlight of my week was watching a video of someone showing that you could poach hot dogs before you grill them using beer. And I went, game has changed, gentlemen. <laughs> so Listen, I, I think I we, want to try this at the very least. I think we did it wrong, but we tried that at my mom's house once and I couldn't really tell the difference. I think mm. it's because my brother buys really cheap hot dogs. <laughs> it could be a it could be a hot dog and a beer situation. You might have to find like the right mm-hmm. the right pair right ones for this. Uh. Anyway, all right, <laughs> on to the episode. This week in food. So fingers crossed. Give it time. It'll it'll get to us all. I got, I got some water right here in our fabulous have a drink uh, water water cup uh, water <laughs> bottle. That's what they're called. Yeah. Uh, cup it seals. Uh, <laughs> I will be mm. getting my Hello Kitty one next weekend. You can taste the merchandising. Uh, no, uh, let's. Uh, we're gonna go into some Japanese whiskey things. Start with a little uh, little note. Uh, uh, Japanese whiskey, if you're trying to spell it at home, folks, should not have an E. Why? Because they're trying to make scotch. Uh, whiskey with an E is Irish. Whiskey without Scottish. America kind of goes both ways. Mostly it tends towards E. Uh, uh, Canada does the same. But uh, uh, you'll have different traditions. Some of that links back to the tradition that it's coming from. Some of it's just how they felt like spelling it. Uh, but if you're trying to do it in Japan, leave off the E. Treat it like it's scotch. Should be a theme, I, I think, for a big part of this episode. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, uh, historically speaking, uh, whiskey is as American as apple pie, which is to say we co-opted it from a rich, long-standing tradition. But we definitely can say that America brought whiskey to Japan whether they wanted to or not. <laughs> this is one of the best openings we've ever had, Chris. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, anyway, uh, in July 1853, not not as old as some of our other, uh, not as far back as some of our other episodes, but you're significant. What happened in that year? I mm. guess we'll figure out as we keep reading. Uh, uh, July 1853, U.S. naval vessels showed up in Tokyo Bay and forced the country open after more than 200 period of self-imposed isolation. Right. Commodore Perry. Uh, Americans brought casks of, uh, of the stuff uh, as well as other presents to show off Yankee know-how, such as uh, miniature steam trains, uh, an early camera, and the telegraph. I like to think miniature steam train was literally them. Like it was 
it was like the landing at Normandy and the front of the boat opened, and here comes Walt Disney riding a tiny little steam train out of it onto the shore. Toot toot. Well, the, the, the sailors on the boat are seeing it's a small world. Pretty much. <laughs> it is now. We're bringing American imperialism everywhere we go. That's why they accept American Express in Japan. Can I just say I found... The, I don't know if that's true or not. I'm just making that up off my... They probably do. It's everywhere you want to be. <laughs> I, 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 Facebook, the algorithm knows me, and I'm already getting ads for 4th of July shirts from some company. I can't even remember the name of it. And it's just got Thomas Jefferson on it. It says, I brought those bitches freedom. Bitches love freedom. <laughs> and I was like, how did you know I want that shirt? It's glorious. <laughs> they did want freedom. He was not the one to give it to them, though. Uh, anyway, uh, but yeah, so they, uh, they bring in the steam train, early camera and a telegraph over the course of the following century, Japan would master all three of these producing world-class, world-class trains, cameras, and communication systems. Now Japanese whiskey is considered one of the world's five classic whiskeys joining the likes of Scotch, Irish, Canadian, and American. Uh, it's funny when they say that cause I'm like, oh yeah, the five traditional whiskeys. Right. Two of them are very traditional. Two of them are, you know, <laughs> look, they're here. They're trying. They're doing their best and they've done a good job. <laughs> and then Japan going, let's play some catch up. It's just, I don't think I get into it in the history in this one, but it's just so weird of how even, I mean, they were isolationist, but they never developed whiskey on their own. They have their the completely own distinct spirits, which is great. And in the book, it, you know, it's like half the book is them going, let's have an aside and talk about a lot of these. Well, we've done whole episodes on a lot of that. And well, there's go, also, they're in, they're, you know, Japan is in you know, the orbit of China in that area in terms of like culture. Chinese culture permeates most of Southeast Asia. They're not making whiskey. They're making, uh, uh, you know, they're doing everything with rice. So everyone else does everything with rice. So there's that's that's part of it. It's your main main grain that you're using. You're probably not making whiskey out of rice. Nice. Uh, so to give some context of why Commodore Perry decided to kick down the door like he was John Cena. Uh, mm-hmm. God, that joke's old even now. Uh, 1630s, Japan had kicked out uh, the Portuguese missionaries and instituted the isolationist policy known as uh, Sakoku. Uh, uh, or locked country, limiting international trade to the uh, to the Dutch, Koreans, and Chinese. Uh, this is during the uh, Tokugawa shogunate. So yeah, going to a very long, long aside here. If I don't, so to say, like that's exactly what we were just saying. Like in the 1630s, they stopped with with everyone except for those three groups, and it's like so. None of those three groups are huge into whiskey. So yeah, they have very little exposure to it. The uh, <laughs> it's also going to be fun because the, the 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 height of technology they had at that time is uh, uh, the old, not even like the flintlock, like the match <laughs> muskets, like like you you light an actual fuse that when you pull the trigger it drops down into a flash pan to fire a you know uh, a, a ball of a musket ball. And they keep that level of technology using swords and whatnot. 
until 1853. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a there's a great quote I had read somewhere. This is not in the thing, but uh, there was an American uh, who was like an American ambassador or something like that. He he had described it later saying, I remember the Middle Ages because that is kind of what they were when they got there at first. Uh, but yeah, speaking of, uh, Commodore Matthew Perry of the U.S. Navy had been tasked with bringing Japanese barrels uh, to bring the Japanese barrels and barrels of freedom. Ah. I was waiting to see if Brittany had like a, a, a freedom sounder. If only. Yeah, I need to get that. Yeah. Mm. Eh, it's fine. We'll get on that. Uh, we can always just chant USA. 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 It's real. USA chants real hard to do over uh, over video call. Yeah, it's hard to uh, coordinate. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Commodore Perry wanted to force the con- uh, force open the country to diplomatic uh, relations and trade with America because it's their time to kind of get into into Asia. They're like, you know, we're we're an up and coming country. We need we need rights in here. Everyone's busy in China. What if we take Japan? We won't take over. That's that's crass and old-fashioned thinking. No, we'll cripple them financially and make them subservient <laughs> to us in that manner. Japan did not agree. You don't say. Mm. I mean, they agreed to open up trade, but uh, some choices had to be made. Uh, Japanese uh, uh, called this... Uh, yeah, Japanese called American ships... Uh, Kurofune, uh, or black ships. And even today, the term is used to describe as something coming from the outside to shake things up. They were still using sails as their primary method of like ship travel. <laughs> and we went there in steamships just mm-hmm. to be like, hey. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I mean, this 1853, this is just before the Civil War. We probably still would have had sail ships that are the same kind. But I think they had some like steamers the, at this point. I would say the majority of the fleet at this point, I believe, were still sailed ships, but they did have steamships, and that's specifically what they sent were four steamers just to yeah. you know come out with their that oh. BDE. Yeah, this whole this whole excursion gun gunboat diplomacy is is just diplomatic big uh, BDE. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it is it is walking around like you're James T. Kirk. <laughs> Uh, anyway, um, when warnings to turn back, uh, warnings to turn back were unheeded, uh, warnings from Japan telling them, no, turn away. We're not accepting guests. Uh, Japan pretty much did not have much choice, but to relent because they couldn't do anything to those ships. Cause giant iron steamers rolling in <laughs> like, it went, stop us. It's like, well, it's fine. It's not like they could kill all of us. Oh, oh, they can. <laughs> All of us very quickly. Oh, hmm. Uh, in the days that followed, Samurais boarded uh, Commodore Perry's steam frigate to begin uh, begin talks. The Americans, with their manifest destiny and their gunboat diplomacy, were unwelcome guests. But aboard the ships, uh, uh, but aboard their ships, they didn't want to uh, did what any proper host would do, and they served them refreshments. They're not rude. They're just here to to forcibly cause you to open up diplomatic trade. Uh, yeah. Well, from the uh, in this case, it was it was American whiskey, and from the sound of it, the distilled drink was a hit. 
According to the official U.S. report, at least, uh, at least the samurai bureaucrats seem to relish in the Western spirit, mixing it with sugar and guzzling it in and uh, guzzling plentiful drafts. Putting sugar in it is a bit much. I mean, I guess if you're doing it in a cocktail, but eh. um, but that seems to stick with like for most of the history of whiskey in Japan, they are like they just were not okay with just plain straight whiskey mm. it had to have mixers and things in it uh yeah i i do like the idea that uh, i had a, a note i made in this earlier that was just like yeah commodore period did not care whether he was an unwelcome guest he had the guns uh as the century progressed more and more whiskey arrived in japan Oh, I'm, look! I'm doing I'm doing everything I can to avoid going into a long discussion about the Me- uh, the Meiji or Meiji Restoration and the fascinating period of history that is po- uh, uh, prior to this period of Japan up until essentially World War One, even World War Two. It is really interesting to see how quickly they they go from using swords to being one of the top like industrial powers in the world Hmm. part of that is going to inform some of this episode but i'll i'll try to hold back a bit well when you skip Uh, a lot of the experimental stages and just dive into what everyone's like oh no we like this this part of the tree leads you to nothing but if you take this tree we'll talk about a guy later where essentially the I'll go ahead and say part of the plan for Japan to to modernize, which was like they're after they they made a new government, they went, we are going to modernize this country. How do you do that? We send our smartest people to every country that does something the best in the world. So, yeah, they send English. uh, They send uh, people to the English to learn the Navy. They send people to Germany for a lot of science stuff. They like literally just send out as many people as you can from being an isolationist country to being like, Send the people out. They have to learn this stuff and get over there and get pick up what they can fast, mm. uh, because they had to, they <laughs> they looked at the world and they went, hmm, "It's eat or be eaten." Yeah, as the terms that they they saw colonialism, and uh, they're looking at China, who is having a rough go of it. As uh, uh, England is going, would you like some opium? No, we would we would like to not have that. Too bad. You're going to be taking it. We like you high and easy to influence. Yeah. Mm. All right. So as the trip progressed, more and more whiskey arrived in Japan, although it remained largely for expatriate consumption because they also brought a lot of people from abroad into into Japan to learn things. Welcome to the plot of The Last Samurai. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, by the early 1860s, the first Western-style bar opened in Yokohama, advertising that it served bourbon, Irish whiskey, and Scotch whiskey. It's my kind of bar. <laughs> uh, can I be an H- uh, an American ex- expat in Japan in the 1860s? They're pretty heavy on like cleaning. Like honestly, that might be one of the best places to be. Like you know, the past is gross. They are one of the least gross gross areas. Sorry, what were you about to say, Casey? We've got all the whiskeys. It's true. We do have those now. But no, from a historical no, I mean, perspective. Oh, oh, we got all the... 
We got it's both like kinds. country and western, mm-hmm. Irish and Scotch. Well, and bourbon. Honestly, I don't know what else you need. I guess you might want to rye from time to time, but yeah. uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm not just picturing like you know you walk over with your your. I don't know. Let's assume they have sushi takeout back then. You sit down at this bar and you're eating sushi and drinking bourbon. That's the life I want. I can have that life now, honestly, but <laughs> that's not the point. It's not the point. Uh, anyway, around the same time, uh, according to a German traveler named uh, Mar- Margaretha Weppner, uh, that port city was filled with foreign seamen drunk on whiskey and the lowest state of depravity and degradation as she clutched her pearls. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which sounds about right, honestly. I mean, sailors. What you gonna do? Yeah. <laughs> uh, imports uh, like this were not aimed at locals, but at the country's expatriate community. Uh, at the time, whiskey was still a foreign drink. This, however, would change. The Japanese drink business would uh, evolve rapidly during the 1800s. We're gonna get into some of that in the sake, uh, upcoming sake episodes during mm. later ones we'll do on that. Because... Uh, a lot of stuff changes very quickly during this period. Uh, with companies starting to distill alcohol with them newfangled column stills. Uh, uh, Denebe Kamiya, uh, who set up his own liquor store, uh, liquor shop in 1880, imported, uh, imported one from Germany and used it to produce sochu. Uh, which is traditionally distilled in uh, in a simple still. This new style of sochu is uh, reportedly served in his Tokyo night spot, the Kamiya Bar, in 1899, which specialized in foreign drinks and remain uh, remains in business well over 100 years later. That's cool. Yeah, I would love to go somewhere like that. Uh, you know what? By the way, I take back my, my thought about wanting to uh, live in Japan during this period. Uh, their government is uh, balls to the wall insane. <laughs> and they're they're they 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 are described uh from like 1899 from like 1899 to like 1920 1930 they are described as a government by assassination because oh. they're just getting the handle on like they're starting to put out like a parliament and having like legislatures and trying to figure out how to do democracy while having a pretty much while having you know an emperor that they have just recently deified. Oh, uh, sure. Yeah, there's, there's a lot going on, but also people who, like within like 20 years, people are getting bombed for political opinions. Mm. And you're like, okay, the world is strange. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, th- uh, this contribution to uh, column still distillation in Japan ha- did lead the, uh, lay the groundwork uh, for Japan to distill Western spirits, even if real whiskey making was nowhere to be seen. Uh, look, once you get the column still, you can you can crank out whatever you need, and you're like, okay, I, I'll make this work. You can do it efficiently. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I got some real like crackhead energy coming out from Bye. behind me here. Uh, <laughs> Waiting for those cats just to descend onto your head. <laughs> oh no, they're like under the couch, and one of them's like screaming, and I'm like, do, do I intervene? <laughs> All right, uh, perhaps because some of the most influential foreigners in Japanese history were Scots, most notably Thomas Blake Glover, a.k.a. the Scottish Samurai, arriving in 1859, 
A then 21-year-old Glover was an agent for the Hong Kong trading company Jardine Matheson and Company. Uh, Sent to Japan to purchase green tea, but who ended up running guns for samurai rebels. Yeah, Yeah, that happens. (laughs) Incidentally, the firm's co-founder, Alexander Matheson, used money he made from selling cotton, tea, and opium to found the Dalmore Distillery in the Scottish Highlands in 1839. Nice. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Also, uh, Samurai Rebels, again, would you like to uh, we'll bring out Exhibit A, The Last Samurai? Yeah. So among uh, his numerous accomplishments, Glover oversaw the construction of the country's first modern coal mine, invested in what would become Kieran Brewery, and was instrumental in the early days of Mitsubishi. Wow. Japan is big on... Japan, especially during this period, is big on actual monopolies. They're like, yeah, fine. One company does everything. I do not care anymore. We don't have to worry about it. They will like, make sure they're doing it properly. How do we make sure like we're competitive and they're they're striving to do the best? They either strive to do the best or we kill them. <laughs> ah, yes. Uh, well, like not it was like that 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 bad of a mer- murder rap, but like the whole they were in the midst of reorganizing the country to have this have a a mythological samurai work ethos that didn't actually exist, mm. uh, which is what leads to fanatical devotion. Let's say. Uh, and also I had to remind myself if Kieran was one of the breweries that we were like, Oh no, they're bad people. And I was like, they're probably not great people, but they're not the ones I was thinking of. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking of war criminals. Yeah. That's the, uh, the Malaysian joint. Yeah. Uh, all right. So perhaps it was because in the late 19th century, Scottish engineering and scientific innovation were world-class. Japan established close ties with Scottish academia during the Iwakara mission uh, from 1871 to 73, which, as uh, Bob was telling us about earlier, that was them going out to all the all the countries who do things the best and saying, "Give us, give us this technology. Teach us, teach us your ways." Uh, yeah, that's. I find that like, I find that period very fascinating. Of just like. An entire government deciding it's it's an entire government playing civilization going all right what are we focusing on science science yeah <laughs> all right with the uh, elites in the ensuing years going to glasgow to study while in scotland some students no doubt developed a taste for scotch whiskey there's no way they couldn't <laughs> when uh masataka masataka takasuru am i am i getting that right uh, sounds went, pretty right. Went to Scotland. Uh, there was an established tradition of his country's best and brightest going to the United Kingdom. While his visa might have said he was in Scotland as a chemistry student, he was there for another purpose, to study Western booze. But isn't that why we all go to Scotland? Mm. I was going to say, chemistry student in Scotland just means <laughs> potential distiller. Yeah. Look, he got around uh, in a time when many Japanese had never seen a foreigner. Takatsuru grew up studying English, then a rare skill for his fellow countrymen and one that would help him as a young man trying to learn how the Scots made their whiskey. In many ways, the cosmopolitan Takatsuru was a forerunner of the Mobo. 
1920s Japanese slang for modern boy. Uh. Uh, Without his worldly interest and language ability, Takatsuru would have had an even tougher time during his travels uh, that kicked off in July 1918. It's a bit of a time jump here. Uh, when he boarded a ship in nearby Kobe, leaving for California, made a little stop on his way to Scotland, uh, where he'd check out American winemaking before making his way to Glasgow, Scotland. It's not during that time period, but I'm just picturing uh, uh, the the uh, what was the what was the, the 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 winery? It's not Kendall Jackson. It's um, Mandavi. Mandavi. Oh. And I'm just picturing like, he walks like, oh, look at these wonderful vineyards, and he just sees a mother slap her her adult son. I should leave. <laughs> yeah, he sees some Mondavi stuff going down, and he's like, I'm gonna go. <laughs> Is it like uh, Fraggle Rock, the the traveler? Fraggle. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Running home. <laughs> yep. Oh, God. So, Takatsuru took internships at distilleries such as Longmorn, Bowness in the Lowlands region, and Hazelburn in Campbelltown. Like, he got around to all, like, pointedly got internships at, like, all the different Scotch was, regions. I was also going to say, like, man made some good choices. So he knew it was up. He did. And... They all pretty much knew what he was up to <laughs> during these apprenticeships. Here, here well, Campbelltown too. I'm just picturing him going, "Yar, taste of the sea." During these apprenticeships, it's highly unlikely that anyone uh, anyone thought they were teaching a future rival. But well, also, I'm sure not they were racist. <laughs> yeah, in the book, they also go, it goes on. It's like they also didn't care because they know how much uh, like he may have the exact chemistry and know the exact process. He doesn't like the place makes up a lot of it. Mm. The water, the water does it. The the peat, the earth, the climate. The ta- there's so the many. Ta- the, they knew, like they knew he could take everything they do and go back to Japan, and he could not replicate what they produce. Right, and they were a hundred percent right. But by God, <laughs> could he get close? Mm-hmm. So. uh Speaking of which, Takatsuru returned to Osaka in the fall of 1920 with a new bride, Rita Cohen. And I'm I'm like, That's, in my mind, I'm like, we've talked about this before, haven't we? Haven't we talked about this before? Mm-hmm. But also, I'm just like, wow, that's a that's a, a, a hell of a thing to declare in customs. <laughs> uh, anything you've brought back in your travels, a wife. <laughs> oh, we're gonna need some more paperwork. Yeah, <laughs> a Scottish wife. Oh, we're going to need even more paperwork. Uh, whom he had met in Scotland. He was uh, ready to make proper whiskey, but poor economic conditions had uh, convinced Setsu Shuzo not to distill the real deal. So it should be say to say uh, Takatsuru was making, before he went, um, he was already making cheap knockoff whiskey or liquor that was meant to look like whiskey, but actually appeal to the Japanese tastes. And that's what, like, his employers were like, no, go learn to make the real stuff. Then he comes back, and they're like, that's too expensive. Keep doing what you were doing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Takatsuru was back in the lab concocting bogus stuff until 1922 when he quit the company that had sent him to Scotland because, again, he now knows, knows how, and he knows what the real thing is and tastes like, and he's like, I can't, I can't keep doing this. Like I have, look, he had to pay bills for a while, but at a certain point, he's like, it's like, I can't, I can't keep living like this. It's a lie. Exactly. So, 
so a man who owns a chicken, uh, a fried chicken place, makes him uh, uh, start brewing sake, da- uh, brewing whiskey down in a down underneath, right? <laughs> he makes his blue, his blue whiskeys. Exactly. Uh, the following year, he got a job at another Osaka drinks outfit, Koto Bukia. Koto Bukia? I don't know. Uh, Koto was tran- Bukia? It translates as Happiness House. Uh, yeah, it is. Today, that company is Suntory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, say. it is. <laughs> Still correct. The founder of Koto Bukia, uh, Sinjiro Tori, had be- that name might seem familiar to oh, some of Tori, you. Oh, Tori, huh? Yeah, had become a very rich man from the sale of Akadama Port Wine, a fortified wine he blended and released in 1907 to suit Japanese tastes. He thought whiskey was going to be the next big thing and dreamed of distilling it in Japan. To do so, he hired the best people he could find, including uh, Masataka Tekasuru. To, I wish there was some way I could have shortened that, but no. Uh, I'm pretty sure that'd be taken as like disrespect, and I would never try to disrespect this man. Takatsuru-san. Uh, to set up and manage the country's first your, proper distillery. And they're like the tales of how they set up the first two distilleries, proper distilleries in Japan for whiskey. Uh, one of them actually being called Yamazaki, which is where we got the name from. And I, I'm pretty sure if you go back to our Suntory episode, we go all about this. You can get the whole story about it, I think. I'm not for certain. It, that was over 100 episodes ago. And yeah, it's a, or maybe it was 100 episodes. I don't know. It was a long time back. No one was alive back then. then. <laughs> Number two. <laughs> All right. Uh, but Takatsuru, however, would not stay with the company. After the failure of Shirofuda, the country's first real whiskey, which came out of that uh, Yamazaki distillery, he found himself uh, running a Kotobukiya beer brewery outside Yokohama. But he hadn't traveled all the way to Scotland to learn how beer was made. And after his 10-year Kotobukiya contract was up, he struck out on his own, establishing his own company, De Nippon Kaju, Great Japan Fruit Juice, later shortened <laughs> to Nika. <sighs> bum, bum, bum. Mm-hmm. I just love that the shoe drop on that whole thing when he's like, nah, dog. <laughs> and right. when it came to history, like there's like there's a ton more stuff that happens after that because, again, we only made it to, I don't even think I slapped a year on that, but we're like maybe, maybe yeah, the 1930s. <laughs> That's yeah. where we stopped the history portion of that because it does start to get a little, you know, more modern with it and it gets crazy and you can't keep up with the number of, amazing distilleries that start springing up in Japan. But just like right there, that leads us. I I love the cliffhanger of it because we we just established (laughs) Suntory and then we have Nika and it's like, those are the two biggest and Nika only spawned because Suntory couldn't keep him happy. And yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Despite being happiness house. (laughs) I mean, they're producing liquid happiness. (laughs) Sorry, I got distracted because I was like looking up the Japanese honorifics thing. Yeah, dude, I'm. I was just saying it should have been been Sama. Put some real stank on that that respect. This is saying that Sama is used in mostly business and clientele context. 
it's from what I remember, what I remember and understand, it's supposed to be like the 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 one of the higher honorifics you can actually use. But yeah. it's it's meant to be like someone who is like it was what they would used to use for like lords. Uh, OK, like it is like a, an extra high uh, uh, honor where like son is is your your like Mr. And Mrs. Yeah, roughly. It's not actually that. But yeah. Somewhat equivalent. Yeah. I just like at work. I'm so used to everybody saying like like the CEO that we we always say yeah you would say whatever son. yeah yeah uh, anyway that's not important um so <laughs> the how it's made it's important just not necessarily to this episode well okay sure so uh, not all Japanese whiskey makers think the same that who is it that thinks different like that's the actual brand Apple. like. Logo, yeah. That's gonna say like who, who, oh God, who's who's got a drunk Japanese Steve Wozniak out there? <gasps> That'd be awesome. Uh, another brief aside in that book, they brought up. Oh, what was Nika? It? Nika has that, I guess. Oh, um, never mind. <laughs> okay, whiskey, whiskey brain. I had, I had a thought. I was like, ooh, there's this entertaining thing, and then suddenly it's like, no, you just poured yourself another drink. You need to drink it. <laughs> just poured yourself a drink. It's gone now. There's only one thought now. Why is that not inside me? Yeah. Anywho, so there's no singular Japanese whiskey making process per se, because there are variations among the distilleries and different approaches, much like everywhere else in the world. So the Japanese style is generally compared to scotch, the whiskey upon which it was based. While both use similar production processes and equipment, Japan throws in a few unique twists, because that's what they do. Uh, as in Scotland, Japan makes malt whiskey from malted barley. Whole grain whiskey is made from corn, rye, and wheat. A bit of malted barley is also added in grain whiskey production to help convert starch into sugar. Traditionally, barley is malted by hand. It's soaked in water and spread out on a malting floor, then turned by shovel. This basically tricks the barley grains into thinking it's spring, and they start to sprout. <laughs> Releasing Spring enzymes. time for barley <laughs> and malting. Yes. Uh, releasing enzymes that aid in turning starches into fermented sugars or fermentable sugars. Uh, to stop the sprouts, the barley is dried by either hot air for un- unpeated whiskey or with peat smoke for peated whiskey. The good stuff. Uh, those tiny particles glom onto the barley and then carry over those distinctive notes through distillation. These days, however, most barley is malted by industrial machines, which is kind of a want want after all that. I mean, I feel like there's probably somewhere out there that's going like, nope. Like, what you doing today? Shoveling the uh, shoveling the malt, boss. Turn that malt that out there turning the malts. Yeah, turn the malts, boss. Turn the malt, Luke. There's always that place. Um, so a brief aside on Japanese peat and barley. Should we put peat in quotes at this point, or? Is it uh, probably about Japanese in quotes? Well, so uh, for many decades, Japanese whiskey was made from Japanese barley until the early 2000s. The Japan, the Japan spirits and liquors maker or liqueurs, sorry, makers association agreed to use a certain percentage of domestic barley in whiskey production. But as the whiskey market was skidding towards rock bottom, that agreement was changed in 2004 to allow the Brewers Association of Japan to meet that percentage. Nika, for example, doesn't make beer, but is owned by 
Asahi, which, according to Nika's chief blender, Tadashi Sakuma, took over that obligation. Today I learned uh, Asahi owns Nika. Hmm. See, when I think of Asahi, uh, Asahi, I'm thinking of a uh, uh, beer that's been duct taped to my hand <laughs> while we're duct taping uh, a coffee table, Casey. Because Edward Forty Hands. It's a pretty coffee table. <laughs> it is. It's still, still zebra striped to this day. Oh, yeah. As God intended. So, traditionally, the amount of domestic barley um, is, uh, or that the Brewers Association buys the verbal promise because drawing up a formal contract would violate global trade regulations. <laughs> sure. In the years before World War II and the decades that followed, the most common type of two-row barley found at Japanese distilleries was gold, golden melon, which first came to Japan in the late 19th century. Former Civil War cavalry officer and U.S. Agricultural Commissioner Horace Capron. Capron? Which, which side of the Civil War, Chris? I, I can't tell you. You'd have, to, you'd have to go look that up. Oh. Well, he arrived in Japan in 1870 and uh, as an I can't imagine Oye the U.S. would be sending uh, someone who fought for the Confederacy out on a right. job like this. Right. I mean, they sent uh, 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 the Confederate general to run uh, uh, the uh, Spanish-American War, so. Facts. Uh, so they... This is how you get rid of people you don't want sticking around. To yeah, that's a, I, I said uh, yeah. it, and I thought, like, you know, you kind of want to get them away, <laughs> like as far away as possible. Yeah, union officer. Okay. Oh, yeah. union. All right. He he, he uh, served as secretary of agriculture under Andrew Johnson and Ulysses S. Grant. Maybe he was a dick and pissed <laughs> off Grant. Grant's like, no, you go to Japan. <laughs> He's like, like, oh, it's wonderful to work for you again, Mister Grant. General or president, I don't care which, but you're going to Japan. He got into Grant's personal whiskey stash. Grant caught him in the middle of it, and he's like, you're going somewhere where they don't have whiskey. Get out of my sight. We're making you an ambassador. That seems to be the, the biggest slap in the face for any political career. Yeah, yeah you're going to be an ambassador. I see, that episode, sir. It's that episode of uh, uh, West Wing, though, where like they have to get rid of someone from one department, and to do so, they have to just shuffle the ambassadors up one to get this guy into somewhere else, like into like Micronesia. It's like, you go to the Federated States of Micronesia. Why? Because I do, you know, because I don't want to have to deal with you and I need to like free up the space so I can get this other thing <laughs> I need done. What are you going to do with the current ambassador to Micronesia? Oh, he's cheating on his wife. who's a friend of mine. So uh, we're, we're, we're tossing him. We're tossing his ass out the door. <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, so that guy, uh, Horace, arrived in Japan in 1870 as an Oyatoi Gaikokujin, basically a hired foreign advisor, as we said, <laughs> to develop so, Hokkaido. There's a, there's a, there's a, I don't want to say it's, well, I don't know if it's rude or not, but there's a term that they refer to, you know, non-Japanese people at least. I don't know how, how specific the term is, but it's like gaijin. And so I was like, gaikujin. I was like, okay, yeah, no, I can see the root of how this word got here. Mm. Uh, 
um, yeah. I always, like, some, t- some of the time on these, I'm just like, I hope we're not saying anything, like, <laughs> derogatory oh, by accident. That's the thing. Like, I'm saying, like, I think it might be derogatory towards us that they say, and I'm not certain. If it's toward white people, that's whatever. I mean. We deserve it. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, besides introducing new livestock and working on Sapporo's urban planning, he imported seeds from America, including barley varieties to suit Hokkaido's soil. And that they did. The agricultural knowledge led to the birth of the Japanese beer industry with the Sapporo Brewery setting up shop in 1876. A lot, a lot, I love these episodes where it's just like, there's just so many background things. You're like, holy crap. <laughs> just part of the background bit of this is, oh, Sapporo is also founded. Also, Sapporo is much older than I thought it was. Yeah, really. I- uh, the flavorful golden melon flourished first in the Japanese beer industry and later in the country's whiskey business. The Chichibu Distillery in Saitama has come into possession of golden melon seeds and is running tests to see if it's possible to use a variety in a future release. Uh, says Chichibu Distillery f- uh, founder Ikiro Akuto, it's hard to say how it will influence the flavor, but I'm curious to find out and taste it. That's a, that's a whiskey person right there. Um, peat can give whiskey a phenolic and smoky vegetation flavor. In Japan... Yeah, it can. <laughs> in Japan, distilleries order their malted barley already peated, spe- specifying the parts per million of peat phenols that they want. Some distilleries go one step further, mixing peated and unpeated barley to suit their exact needs. In the 1970s, moved a bit further in time there, uh, English lang- English language journalists incorrectly stated that Japan doesn't have peat, with The Guardian writing on November 12th, 1977, that, quote, without the Scottish peat, the Japanese would be lost. Strong statement there. Uh, local peat's prospects weren't helped by Suntory advertisements in American newspapers stating that its whiskeys were made with Scottish imports. <laughs> they literally advertised it. I mean, well, if, honest, you I guess. Your, if you want your whiskey to feel like it's from Scotland, you should tell them that they're using Scottish ingredients. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. Uh, but as with barley, Japan does have its own peat, which can be found all over the country due to the World it's, War II fuel shortages. What? Oh, I was just going to say that blows my mind. I thought peat only existed in Scotland. Yeah. Uh, so do they're, the, they're weird. They're weird bogs. <laughs> It just takes a low oxygen, high was it highest acid content mm. in the soil. Mm. Well, apparently Japan used it as an energy source. That's how. So does that's, Scotland. Yeah, so does Scotland. So yeah. does all the UK. <laughs> Anywhere I, I, it has it, they I, at one point do. in time they burned that. Well, uh, today the country's largest island, Hokkaido, is peat central. Six percent of the prefecture's flatland is covered in it. Until recently, workers at Nika's Yoichi Distillery still dug up local peat every year to use for demonstration purposes. Next in hmm. the process, uh, next in the process, the malt is milled and steeped in hot water. Uh, real quick, going back to the bar- sorry, I just had to throw this in there, but like the barley and the peat. Uh, again, Japan, the islands, not very huge, hmm. and when you think about agriculture, beer, and all the other distilleries. And like everyone competing for the stuff there, it is literally cheaper. 
just to ship it in from somewhere else. Mm. So that's yeah. what most of them do. I mean, for context, Japan's roughly the size of California with like twice the population and two thirds of the habitable landmass. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, so uh, next in the process, the malt is milled and steeped in hot water, breaking down the grain starches and creating a sugary liquid called wort. Wort, wort, wort. We're very familiar with the wort. Yeah. Combined with yeast, the mixture ferments for around three days. Yeast what? gobbles up the sugars, producing an unhopped beer called wash. That's between 5 and 10% alcohol. By the so way, real quick, why, why are there so many things that are... are I'm just saying, why... <laughs> this is going to sound really gross and really bad. You have warts, and you mm. have yeast, which can get infected. Yeah. I'm just like, there's a lot of like bad terms in this. Oh, yeah. 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 I'm just always like, why, why did we choose these words? Could we not have chosen? And mash. Da 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 da. Because English is so, yeah. Yeah, sorry. Just just dumb jokes my brain was running through, and I needed to get it out before uh, before I lost my mind. No. Continue. So wart. Oh, sorry. Wart just means plant in Old English. Hmm. But it. There's there's what happens a, you don't have like seven words. Yeah, um, there is a another another version, or it it evolves later on into root, and so um, warts warts on on the body. You're getting roots basically into the body with those, mm. and then root being the the basis of alcohol. I was going to say alcohol. it is the root of what you're talking. Yeah. Okay. That. Yep. That etymologically still doesn't quite right, but we're going to move on. Uh, that seems about seems about right. I was just about to say I love etymology. Uh, yeah, so the default preference in Japan is to get the wort as clear as possible by filtering liquid wort from the mash's solid bits, resulting in a wash that is fragrant and fruity and floral aromas for which Japanese whiskey is famous. Some Scottish distilleries also use a clear wort, but many prefer a cloudy one as it results in nuttier scents from compounds known as lactones. While the I saw preference... them once back in uh, the <laughs> doo group, right? Mm, yes. The lactones. Um, while the preference is, clear, is for clear wort, if necessary, Japanese distilleries do produce cloudy wort to make whiskey. The lactones couldn't carry a tune in a milk carton. I was going to say, they feel like they're a Wisconsin doo-wop group, right? Oh, man. Keeps going. There you go. Great. It's, the, it's the gift that keeps giving. <laughs> There's so many layers. Uh, well, let's talk about yeast, since we've talked about wort. Uh, infect my mind with, with this yeast knowledge. Let's go deep dive on yeast here. To make alcohol, you need yeast, um, at least today. Who knows what will happen 10 years from now with the way uh, things are going. You may you may be able to... Currently, they may have already transported the genes using CRISPR from a yeast cell into a dog. 
And now to make beer, all you need is a dog's digestive tract. No, dog no, poop. no, no. This is this is a this is like just is chicha all over again, and I won't stand for they it. Say, don't, he's just crying. He's like, don't give Calgione any more ideas. <laughs> I'm not drinking beer that came out of a came out of a dog's anus. Did you see it? No, I think it was like last week. Uh, Calgione just tweeted a picture. Of a big sack of uh, blue corn. Oh. Uh, <laughs> that's how you make blue waffles. I'm done. Speaking of warts, um, it's necessary for fermentation and feeds on the sugary wart. Producing alcohol and natural aromatic fruity smelling chemical compounds called esters. For scotch whiskey, there have traditionally been two kinds of yeast a distiller's, and a brewer's yeast. Less importance is placed on the individual yeast types because most Scottish distilleries use the same strain of industrial mass-produced distiller's yeast, aiming for a high alcoholic yield. Now that I'm back and uh, have, have recovered from from any, any discussions about beer which shall not be named, mm. uh, uh the how much do you want to bet? I, I'm just wondering, like the 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 one Japanese guy that was in Scotland. Like, like I just wonder if he was just, like just leaving, going. I'm gonna take some of this yeast too. It's mine. Yoink. <laughs> yeah, he's pulling pulling a, a a new Belgium there, where it's just like, nah, I got this. I got what That's I need. That's exactly what I thought. So when they send the chemist to Scotland, it was the exact same as that bike trip through Belgium. I was like, no, and like it, he just went, he went place to place, just stealing a little bit of what everyone did. <laughs> what you do i have a i have a thought but i want to read what what's what's been written here first just to make sure that it's not mentioned before i i I fill in anything um japanese distillers however use an array of different yeasts to bring out specific aromas nika uses several different yeasts and while not confirming exactly how many uh the makers said it has it has fewer than 10 different kinds specifically for whiskey it's five it's five yeasts. Uh, you've got a red yeast, a blue yeast, a yellow yeast, a green yeast, and a black yeast, which forms the head. Went real yeast. deep. Went real like deep for a for a Voltron Roll, joke. Say, Where just, are we going here? Okay. Uh, I, was, I was thinking Power Rangers, and then you went. Well, it's because green I, with the original. I was like, oh. Nope, nope. I was going Voltron. Uh, uh, which admittedly is a. Power Rangers is a Voltron. Yeah. Voltron and Sentai merged together. It, it, it's, it's not giving you down a rabbit. Like we're already talking about Japanese things. Let's not get me down a rabbit hole about Power Rangers. I'll... I mean, you started this really. Suntory has around 150 varieties of yeast. Kieran also has hundreds of unique strains. Each distillery can select the optimal strains to create certain aromas and then carry through to the final whiskey. In this regard, Japanese whiskey makers are similar to Americans bourbons, America's bourbon distillers who likewise emphasize the importance of unique yeast strains. Japanese whiskey makers like Nika, Mars Whiskey, and Igashima Shuzo also create pure concentrated yeast starters called shubo, a technique from sake production. I was going to say, we just talked about shubo. Uh, also, uh, 150 yeasts would be 30 Voltrons. Of... It's a lot of yeastrons. 
Yeast drones. The Shubo thing, uh, the book also, uh, we'll give a shout out at the end, has a whole, like, a side section, which, again, to keep this under three hours, the way we've been running recently, (laughs) I excluded. So if you want to know the whole thing about uh, making whiskey with uh, sake yeasts and uh, sake fungi, uh, there's a whole bit about that in the book. That script wasn't even that long. And about how they, uh, how that was almost like apparently the American, I, I can't remember, at the time it was like the American Whiskey Board uh, were pumping for information about this because they were interested in using it. So American Whiskey almost had this process come over as well. Like there's like this small twist of fate that kept it from happening. We got broke up the sodium pentothal and we're just like injecting them going, tell us, <laughs> tell us the shubo. No, it was more of the caught the Japanese chemist, you know, when he was here, when he stopped in California to oh, okay, fair check enough. on the, see what he could get from wine. And they're like, we know what you're up to. <laughs> he had the sodium like, pentothal going, tell us, tell us how we can convert it from shubo. Tell us about the sake. Uh, making shubo complicates the, process but gives distillers more control during fermentation ensuring a high quality wash so what i was thinking early yeah. on in this I, in this I, I really enjoy a high quality wash a good pressure good never mind uh, what i was thinking earlier on was you know distillers at, at least when it came to scotch distilleries it they really didn't care about their yeast flavors at all. Not like the brewers in Germany um, who were very guarded with a lot of their, their yeast strains. And so they had, they had peat Like yeah. their flavor came from other places. Exactly. They're looking for alcohol and that's the primary. It's like, Oh, okay. I'm not going to, as a home baker, protect my yeast strain um, that I use because it's all, considered a, a commodity at that point. Casey, I want you to open up the windows one day at the brewery. Just let wild yeast come in here and just start creating your own strain. Oh, no. It's funny no, that no, you no, bring no, that no. up because today, we we missed it, um, Urban Artifact was having the Missing Link uh, Festival, which is uh, Link was a historic brewery from the 1800s in Cincinnati, and during construction of something down on OTR, uh, one of the original uh, lagering cellars from this brewery was discovered, and Urban Artifact was contacted, and they came and collected uh, yeast samples. Now, they were like 100-plus-year-old yeast samples, but they had yeah. discovered wooden vats still down there. Yeah. And from what they scraped together, they were able to revive this yeast. And All you need is one cell. Yeah, and every year they've now started uh, the Missing Link Festival in which they reproduce this historic beer. On on the one hand, you said Urban Artifact. It's like, man, I need an antacid just hearing that. (laughs) On the other, I want that so much. (laughs) Uh, Not to to diminish anything that they've done with this, though, but as you are looking, if it was just one or two yeast cells that they were able to get, what you've done is you've basically taken, let's call it the population of the world, 7 billion people, and you've selected one, and you're like, oh, this must be what the entire world looks like. Mm-hmm. 
Um, it, because by selecting one out of that entire culture that may or may not represent the entirety of the whole thing, um, you, you kind of just like narrow it down. So the no, beer, it's fine. You picked yeah. the right one. He's well, a Quizat Chatterack. So they're not the only one. That's the thing. Uh, so they yeah. they hold no rights, or they sold the right. Oh. They didn't sell. They gave the rights to the city of Cincinnati. Yeah. For what no, uh, the I'm, yeast they found, and they hold the yeast and propagate the yeast, and then for the festival, right. any brewery who wants to make the, what they think the beer, like if you want to participate and make your own, you know, they'll send you the yeast, and you I can make Casey, beer and send I, it for the festival. I thought Casey was talking more about the fact that it's like that one individual yeah. random yeast is yep. like cell is not necessarily indicative of every yeast they use to make that thing. Or that yeast as they were using it is probably a mixture of many different uh, magic genetic makes and, up. Yeah. Yeah. It's all, it's all whenever they're not going each time and selecting one cell and propagating it up from one cell, like many of the, the cultures are done today. Um, they're going to be very much a, a a mixture of okay here's here's some yeast but then there's also in this beer there's also some lactobacillus there's there's other things that are there and so it's not just the one I know they um, didn't they didn't, they didn't really they didn't really have this back then but man quality control must have been just a real pain in the dick back then <laughs> yeah it's basically you got your taster hey is it good yep is it not good oh well. Does it ta- does it taste like what it's supposed to? Close enough. I don't care. <laughs> Close enough. I mean, I'm half lit, anyways. <laughs> yeah. I I don't think I I think that you were given a lot more leeway back then to be like, oh, it doesn't have to taste the same every single batch. Look, I guarantee you, if any any person drinking back then kept you know traveled through a time machine to see us drinking now, going, listen, you pretentious pricks, this is not what we're doing this for. We're doing it because we couldn't drink the water. <laughs> for for three thousand years. I mean, as in Scotland, the term single malt refers to malted whiskey that is made at a single distillery. The age statement on whiskeys indicates the youngest whiskey in the bottle, unless the label reads single class cask. All whiskeys are blends of malt spirits contained in different casks whiskeys without age statements are still aged but often contain younger and older stuff blended whiskeys refer to those made by blending whiskeys from this different distilleries in japan however those distilleries are almost always owned by the same company unlike in scotland where t- whiskeys have traditionally been traded between different makers again japan they lack a the monopoly a single grain whiskey does not refer to a whiskey made from one grain, but whether rather a grain whiskey made at one distillery. You got sing- your grains from that, not shared grains. Yeah, it's it's a grain whiskey. It's a single whiskey, but they put grain in there because it's also a grain whiskey. Right, right. Sorry, I meant yep. yes. That that it, you're not. Yeah, sorry. I was mud- um, muddying the waters, and I did not intend to. Yeah, you're good. Um, a single blended whiskey refers to a whiskey comprised of malt and grain whiskeys from a single distillery. In Japan, there are also pure malt whiskeys, which are blends of malt whiskeys from different distilleries. As this being Japan, those distilleries are owned by the same company. Yeah. 
Pure malt was previously used for scotch, but was banned in 2009. No such stipulation exists in Japan, where the term is still widely used. It's their whale hunting. <laughs> Con- context. Japan is one of the countries left in the world that is like, yeah, no, we're going to hunt whales. Uh, so the idea like, yeah, no, we're also called things pure malt. Why? Just being obstinate at this point. <laughs> For grain whiskey, corn is the key ingredient, although other grains such as rye and wheat are also used. Since corn cannot be malted, what? Not with that attitude. I'm pretty sure it can. Can it not? You're, Maybe it's just you're, not you're a science guy, man. I don't know. I thought, malt, you could, I thought you could have malted corn. I'll come back to this in a minute. <laughs> it must it must be broken down. Oh, okay. So here's what's here. I, I think here's what's going on here. They're just saying that basically the corn gets cooked, which is what we do in in bourbon distilleries as well. Malting corn requires processing time to facilitate sufficient steeping and germination. Germination. So there's more to it than just you know, just wake it up and let it let it grow. Yeah. And continuing with our our Japanese theme from the last episode, it's like I was gonna say it's like koji, where it's like yeah, the rice doesn't actually make make alcohol. We'll get it there. Right. Yeah. And corn, I mean, it, it, it will it, basically anytime you germinate the seed, Germ- you're going to you're going to malt it. That's what it is. Stopping that sentence midway. And I could see Chris <laughs> looking at me go, I know what you're about to say. I'm glad you stopped. <laughs> uh, uh, so you you basically cook the corn. It gelatinizes the um, the starches and then you can um, then take the the resulting liquid that you get from fermenting the alcohol um and run it through a steam filled column still this will produce an alcohol vapor that is condensed into the spirit the result is a lighter spirit with a higher alcohol percentage japan's biggest makers have five grain distilleries and their grain whiskeys are the backbone of many of the country's most famous blends casey I don't like how my brain works sometimes, but I think you might at least struggle at this. When I heard the corn gelatinizes, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, my brain immediately turned the song yellow into, and it was corn jello. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. And I just went, God, what is wrong with me? You can I, make so if you see jello. me on if you if you're watching if you're watching the vod later and you just see me just going like like my hands hands in my head just go like my head my hands going like what like that is me just going I don't know what is wrong with my brain that made me do this so I'm not surprised you, at all here's <laughs> how you make corn jello <laughs> you take corn take right? some bones and you you milk it or run it through a uh, run it through like a Corn Some has teats. Oh, blend it. Do a blender. Will it blend? blend it up. Yes, it will. And then, <laughs> yes, it will. And then you can use it whole, or you could use the corn juice. How, or you strain it and use the corn juice. Your choice. Dealer's choice on this one. Um, add a little bit of sugar. And uh, sprinkle in some gel- gelatin, just natural unflavored gelatin. And then you can have a corn... No. Um, corn jello mold there's there's no way that it not exists in the 60s 
that's exactly everything. where it came from. I'm pretty sure everything was jelloed in the 60s. It's like they found this technology and they were like, I, I what can, else? What else can I, I jello? I can confirm this uh, because I'm king... expecting a, I'm expecting a, like a jello mold with a whole corn on the cob inside. Peas in jello molds were a thing, and so was I, uh, I love loaf. peas, but I, pea loaf. meatloaf, pea, pea loaf. loaf. Peas in loaf form. I love whole... I love peas. I cannot imagine that being good. There were carrots involved. That's fine. <laughs> peas and to- carrots is a thing. <sighs> Today, if you Googled corn jello, you get candy corn jello cups and candy corn jello shots. I, that's oh. not nearly Look, the same. All candy corn was made in the same batch in 1843. It's not good, and no one should have it. Everyone is wrong everyone, every Halloween. All right, let's continue. <laughs> There's a thing called corn water, and it's the water after the corn has been boiled in it. Mm-hmm. It's the water that's left behind, and there are, there are benefits to drinking the corn water. Oh, I'm sure there are. The, are those die. benefits in, like, I, look, I could hear the quotation marks <laughs> out of benefits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, like your corn will invest heavily into your 401k. <laughs> For the four seasons countries, boiled corn water is believed to help cool the body, prevent diarrhea, no. and increase health in the summer. Full of it. <laughs> no, corn water won't do that. Corn on the cob, yes. <laughs> nice buttery corn on the cob. Mm. That'll cure that'll cure what ails you. Oh, it will. All right. Speaking of water. Speaking of corn water. (laughs) Japanese whiskey makers love to talk up their water, giving it an almost mythical quality, just like their counterparts in Scotland and the U.S. Yes, I understand Scotland and the U.S. They're basically the same country. Same mountain range. That's what I'm saying. They they, they look at it and go, yeah, no, we have the same like water tablet. It's a water table. It's fine. We got this. Japan just overcompensating and i understand you're not part of that mountain range you'll get there well you won't get there but you can science will make it work spine of the proto world the water near oh sorry no never mind i was about to go into a weird tangent that we do not have time for nope we don't The water near the Yamazaki distillery in Shimamoto, Osaka, is so delicious that it is considered among the country's best. In Yoichi, uh, locals are quick to offer a glass from the tap to prove just how good the distillery water is, while the Kirin distillery's production water is from Mount Fuji melted snow. Filtered through lava. Oh, it gets better. Um, so it's got to be good, right? How do you filter through lava? I mean, it's probably the, it's filtered through the porous rock after the lava's cooled. Okay. Or or it's the condensation that like they pour it over, then they get whatever comes to the top. But it, sorry, it's just a, I'm willing, but it's just like, it's filtered through pumice. Yeah, probably. Pumice? Pumice stones. Soft water is most common in Japan, and nah, no limestone shelf. Yeah, I was going to say, like, yeah, sucks, don't it? Just can't get that limestone in your life. 
<laughs> and it best suits natural Japanese food like rice and fish, says Shiyoshi Sanyo. San Sano. Sano. Who joined Centauri in 1971 until 2016? Participated in the Centauri National Water Forest Program, of course. Can you just picture <laughs> a Japanese man with like a, a like a popped collar, like wide collar, uh, uh, like leisure suit kind of jacket? When you hear like in 1971, I'm like, I'm just picturing disco <laughs> and like well, a leisure suit. Speaking of that, uh, in I Japan, I didn't leave it in, but Takatsuru on all of his stuff, he wore a like neck to toe. Uh, white chemist's coat, mm. lab coat, everywhere for all that. So like you know, the entire time he was in Scotland, everything, and then like every picture he's wearing it, he refused to not wear one. I mean, what, what it got him his wife? <laughs> I don't know. I don't. But I'm just assuming. Look, maybe maybe if I wore a head to toe, uh, a neck to toe, uh, a, a lab coat, I'd be married right now. We'll never know. You could. Because it's a fashion choice. I don't know what to do right now. Start going on dates with like a, a full lab coat and just see what happens. I don't know. They could be like, ooh, a scientist. Yeah, and they'll get very disappointed that it's in fact a historian. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Casey, let's let's keep going because I'm... I'm I'm a monster and I keep dragging this on. So, um, according to San Sano, hard water, such as those found in France, goes best with Western food, especially meat and bread. Japanese whiskey is often highly aromatic and floral. Even those with high phenolic levels often seem as smoky as the peat monsters coming out of Scotland. Real quick, um, there's food other than meat and bread the only thing i can think of is potatoes are there other are there other things that you eat Hmm. some of us eat vegetables it's weird no that's rabbit that's what meat that's that's what meat eats i eventually get those nutrients it just is filtered through (laughs) the other animals filtered through that cow i'm eating raw that's how that works you're giving me the food that my food eats i the John Panette thing. He's like, salad isn't a meal. He's like, the salad is a promise that good things are coming. That is <laughs> that food's coming. He's like, when I see a salad, my brain tells me stay right here. Food's coming. <laughs> <sighs> All right, Casey. Uh, I'm sorry. You always are at the end where like we are at our drunkest, <laughs> just trying to let you get through a section. He's trying to be super serious. He's like, guys, we've got we've got some real science to talk about here, and we're all drunk making like second grader jokes. This is this is my bread and butter. I love the science. You are this you love the science, and you just have to sit there and tolerate the rest of us just going. We're sitting here giggling like (laughs) He said but no, it's the Billy Mass thing. He called the shit a poop. Oh, my kids do not need to watch that movie. If peeing your pants is cool, you just call me Miles Davis. (laughs) No, no, it's not. I get it. We're we're off. 
I saw it, it was a whatever, whatever the Facebook trying to get on the short form videos. It was what is showing Chris Farley from from that from that movie specifically as the bus driver. And when he's like red faced and goes off and all, and they're like, Chris Farley would, uh, well, he would down whole cups of coffee between takes to keep his manic energy. And I was like, yeah, that's what he was doing to keep his manic energy. That's why he's dead. <laughs> yeah. Coffee. Was not sure. speed balls. Yeah, it wasn't. Certainly yeah, not. Wasn't all the Coke. Oh, <laughs> uh, like, look, John Mulaney is like high on Coke all the time. Was, was. He's cleaned up. Was. He's clean now. I He had been clean before. He relapsed, and it's a it's a fine thing. But I was, like, watching clips of his, like, old stand I was like, how did we not realize? <laughs> that man was high on coke. That, that, that the energy he brought during those shows, like, <laughs> no, that's someone who is, like, evening out to a level just above where he naturally rests. You know, he's got a new special. On he Netflix. does. Yeah. It's good. It's fun. Oh, you already watched. <laughs> of course, of course he did. <laughs> it's a stand-up comedy special. Of course, I was going to go try and watch it. Yeah, I really want to watch it. It's fun. I don't okay. have kids. I can do whatever I want. Whatever. I... You can. I'm sorry. Ma- magic... I realized like mid sentence, like Brag what much? Are you doing Magic Claw uh, has no children. His days are free and easy. <laughs> Casey, get us out of this. Keep us, keep us going to actual topics. Nope. <laughs> you got yourself here. I did. It's my fault, and I accept that. So the different yeasts in Japan might have something to do with the um, the the water aroma and, and flavor and all that. Um the even high phenolic levels that often seem as smoky as the peat monsters coming out of Scotland. Um, but Centauri chief blender Shinji, Shinji Fukuyu Fukuyu Fukuyo So there was like one bit too. of Japanese pronunciation that I had ever heard that was the tip that I try to remember when I'm doing it is like you, know, you you more or less pronounce every syllable. You just kind of some things you'll kind of have to shorten, shorten. But like in that case, I'm like, yeah, Shinji Fukuyo. Yeah, that seems right. It only gets yeah. tricky at the end of some words. It's tricky at the end of some words, and it gets tricky with a ts. Yeah, the he, yeah, it's a. He, s- he thinks that the reason that you've got the, the peatiness could be Yamazaki's water. Uh, that mm. delicate softness, Centauri believes, results in a whiskey that pleases the Japanese palate. It is bizarre. Like they are going for, like they are, they grow out of a Scotch land, but Japanese whiskey will taste like, like, a, like an earth fruit, like a date fruit kind of flavor in there for a lot like at least look at the Suntory stuff that I've had mm. and I'm just like you come from the same place how are like, you come from like the same like idea how are you so different it's like you know water and yeast essentially at that point interesting sorry well when talking about distillation uh, for malt whiskey distillation is done twice in pot stills you know you do it the first time you get your high wine after you get your high wine you distill it again and you get your actual liquor at at the end of the process 
Um, it kind of boosts it each time because pot stills are less efficient. Japanese distilleries use a range of techniques when distilling from direct to indirect heating of the stills. The Yochi distillery is the only place in the world that still fires its pots the traditional way with coal. Hmm. Nika, Centauri, Hombo Mars, and Kirin made use made in Japan stills from the Miyake Industries. Is that the same? That's not the one that has the department store at Disney, is it? Uh, I, I have it no earthly idea. I'm pretty sure it is. Because, uh, because remember how we were talking about that whole... You know, there, there's no uh, <laughs> breaking up huge conglomerate companies in Japan. Yeah, yeah. fair. <clears throat> they, they look. You do one thing, you do it well, and then you're allowed to do everything else. Japan does not. Japan does not have like a low setting. <laughs> you just crank that up to eleven. And you just that's where you live. Well, it previously manufactured stills for Hanyu Distillery. Today, small-scale distilleries such as Chichibu and uh, Kishi, however, import stills directly from Scotland, expanding that such explaining that such stills still better suit their needs. Brittany, Both sun- how much would you love to see a uh, a, a Japanese small batch distillery called Chibi? So cute, <laughs> right? That's what I'm saying. It would be fantastic. I picture like, you know, nobody uses a tanuki as their mascot. There should be a Japanese small batch thing that's tanuki. That there's nothing more Japanese. Well, okay, tanukis exist in like basically East Asia, but but still, still, like, I didn't realize it was a creature until someone explained to me what Mario threes you know, raccoon form was, and it was not, in fact, a raccoon. No, there is uh, a raccoon. Uh, there there's is... a raccoon, and then there's the Tanuki one. Mario 3. Yep. Yeah, there is a raccoon, That's the raccoon suit, one. and there is a Tanuki suit. Tanuki's the full-on bear-looking costume with a raccoon tail. And then the other one's the same. The raccoon one is when it's just the raccoon tail, and he has little ears. Or he looks like a furry. Do, well, well yeah. does... Uh... Okay, now I have to look up. Does does Japan actually have raccoons, or they only have? I think they have both. Yeah, they, well, they have raccoons, but the one is a mythological creature. No, it isn't. No, tanukis exist. Tanukis exist. It, it, the they are heavy in mythology, though. Like they are. There's a lot of mythology around them. Oh, raccoons are a non-native species to Japan. Ah, They're an invasive species that someone has brought over. But the Tanuki, which is the Japanese raccoon dog. Yeah. <laughs> which that looks like it. I, mean, I just had to be like, it, it's real? And then look at Yeah, yeah, no, it's real. It looks yeah, like a... It's adorable. It looks like a fat raccoon. That's really what it looks it's, like. It's a fat raccoon bear dog. Yeah. Okay. Man, Continue. bear, pig. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> raccoons have really only been in japan since the 1970s <laughs> somehow america is to blame for that i don't know how oh yeah because we, we came in with our gunboat diplomacy again said look we've got too many of these things <laughs> we've got to unload some we came in with gunboat diplomacy to, to radically alter their entire government and, and and culture here have a trash panda we dropped nuclear bombs on them and then afterwards, we went, hmm, here's a raccoon. 
Do with it what you will. So, <laughs> not the white man's fault. Comes from that's, so that's, they got Casey. It, I I've studied a lot of history. That that sentence doesn't exist. <laughs> well, um, it comes from a 1963 audio biographical novel that then gets turned into an animated series by Nippon Animation um, about a raccoon called Rascal the Raccoon. I people know Japan, this. People in Japan liked it. They liked the raccoon and then started importing them. And then they got raccoons in Japan. It's their version of like the weird uh, uh, alligators uh, in the pet. I was gonna say, oh, yeah, okay, sure. I was gonna say like the the the, the weird uh, uh, exotic pet people who are like, oh, look at my like python. You know, yeah, it was like four thousand foot python that I have in my. And then it it gets loose, or they turn it loose because they can't take care of it anymore. And then lo and behold, they now have an invasive species. An invasive species in Florida of python man. <laughs> mm. Happened because someone in Florida decided to to interbreed with a python. It would happen. Moving on. Japan Ch- Japan suffers an estimated thirty billion yen annually from the effects in the agricultural section sector alone. They um, just need to treat their train their raccoons to eat only garbage like we have here in the states. Eighty percent of the temples in Japan have been damaged by raccoons. Oh my gosh. Good Lord. Yeah. F those guys. Those, those temples do not have the long rich tradition that you expect them to have their own. Most of them are only from like the 1900s. The 1100s. <laughs> yeah. There are some. Yes. Be- A lot of them. Not as much as you think. <laughs> Sorry. The one continue. that they, the one they quote here is the, a 900 year old temple. But sorry, part of that gripe is just that Shintoism is not it is an ancient religion, but it is not like the way it existed in Japan for a for a period of time is not. It became a state religion because they went, hmm, we could find a way to make this useful. Ah. So. Anyway, (laughs) get back to the episode so we can wrap this up before (laughs) Brittany kills us. Oh, this is going to (laughs) happen. One of these days. Both Suntory and Nikki, Nika um, both produce high quality grain whiskeys with each of their column stills, which are towering structures that may not be pretty, but are workhorses, churning out continuous flows of distillate. The Kirin distillery is in a league of its own to Japan, having a total of three different methods on site for grain whiskey. There's no Multi- crying in distilling. Multi-column stills to make a light spirit column stills and a kettle to make a medium style spirit and a beer column oh sorry column stills and a kettle to make a medium style spirit and a beer column and a doubler to make heavy bourbon style spirits the two last distillation setups are unique among Japanese distilleries all right delicious (laughs) yeah Look, a lot of that, it's like, I think anytime, like, we need to restate many of these things constantly when we talk about whiskey. It's like, yeah, we need to re-talk about the malt, like, single malt, what's that mean, and all this. Proper, a proper, uh, a, a consumable 
style of whiskey, the only one I can actually think of is 51% corn <laughs> aged in fresh charred oak barrels. From a distillery predating prohibition. In, in Kentucky. And Japan and Japan agrees because they bought them. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. They were like, ooh, yes, that one. Them or Louisiana. <laughs> Look, the people you were talking about in this like it, earlier in the episode, they're like, oh yeah, like they, they they like whiskey's gonna be the new thing in Japan. It was. They were probably about thirty years ahead of their time, but they were correct. <laughs> yeah. You know who else has peat? I'm looking at a map of peat deposits around the world. Kentucky. Large deposits of peat in the Congo. Yeah, because you need a humid climate. Are we sure we don't have peat in Kentucky? Because (laughs) it can get humid. No peat in Kentucky. You do have it along the the East Coast coastline, though. No. It needs to be really humid, and you need an ancient, you know... Bogs, swamps. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's fine. But also, you said East Coast. I was like, eh, no, that's like Carolinas. You need flatland to oh, to, to yeah, some no. for some extent, yeah. because yeah. otherwise you get runoff and you get drainage that way. That's true, but well, also flatland is just Indiana. Flatland is the devil's plaything. It is damn flatlanders and Kansas. Speaking of drainage, let's talk about what we're drinking. Sparkling Muscatel, one of the finest wines of Idaho. Uh, would you taste it for us, please? <laughs> Excellent choice. Should be for 95 cents. Mm. I believe that's the only time we didn't talk over it. I, I Miss Piggy's thing at the end is like maybe my favorite part. <laughs> she just agrees like, oh, yes, that's a good. Well done. I. Oh man, every every bit of 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 Steve Barton of that is just is just gold. Would you care to smell the cap? <laughs> uh, you know, we finally have Hulu now. We really need to watch that show, the Only Murders in the Building. Oh yeah. Oh oh, that show, that show. Yeah, Steve, Steve Martin, Martin and, and, and Martin, Martin Short. Steve Martin and Martin Short, best friend Martin Short and Selena Gomez, who they both went. This girl has comedy shops you are not appreciating. I love Selena Gomez. I have no context for her other than Steve Martin and Martin Short approve. And I'm like, good enough for me. Well done, ma'am. <laughs> well, you know what I have context for? This What uh, you're drinking. What do you got? Habiki, uh, Japanese Harmony Suntory Whiskey. I'm pretty sure it's... Oh, to... darndest thing, that. <laughs> yeah, about that. Uh a 43% alcohol by volume, uh, 86 proof, and delicious, uh, obviously, from Suntory. I gotta say, because honestly, finding uh, Nika stuff is getting harder and harder. Uh, and this is, I still hate it. This is the, like, this was the first batch after they dropped age statement. I'm just like, ah! <laughs> Yeah, I don't actually know how old. I don't know if I got that like the same year or like the year after, but it's within within a couple of years of them dropping the age statement. It's still delicious. Like it's smooth. You can taste the light peatiness. It's like I put it akin to 
I, I put it a notch up from introductory scotch, but it's so smooth that it, it still gives you all the scotch elements, but it's so smooth, and I, I hesitate to say crushable. Not a lot I of whiskeys not, are no. crushable. But. I think of it as, as having like a, like a, like a, a hard, like an earth fruit flavor, like a, like a stone fruit, like a date or something, that you could pick up a little bit of notes of that in there. Yeah, I can see that. It's uh, I say eye. that because that's also what I was drinking. You get the you get the little character of iodine like that's in there. Yeah, Brittany, uh, what are your thoughts? Oh, I love that stuff. Super taster. Um. Well, okay. Yeah, when I what, open the what, bottle, what soup can does it taste like? So when I open the bottle, it's a chunky New England clam chowder. I was about to say, is that, does it taste like a New England clam chowder? I smelled bananas when I opened the bottle. Okay, yeah, I, I, I could, could go that way. I could see how you get there. I, I used it the last of mine, by the way. I've been hanging on that that, saw, that stuff yeah. for I've been hanging on that shit for years. I mean, yeah, it's, it's been a, we've had the same bottle for quite some time now. Uh, yeah, if it, if you go back to the Suntory episode, same bottle. But uh, yeah, yeah, as soon as I bottle. opened it, I was like, "Am I crazy or is this bananas?" <laughs> No, was, this was, shit is bananas. B a n a n a s. It's the only time I'll allow a reference to that song because that song is otherwise garbage. Oh, I hate all of her like. G a b a r g e. Look, any she's great, no doubt, because there are other voices and other musics to kind of like go with. But, because you had a genius songwriter write all the songs, and then he quit yeah. the band to go write for The Simpsons. <laughs> as you do, as you do, you either you either quit to go join them, or you leave them to go host late night. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, that was uh, that's also what I had. It was delicious. It's gone. I I finished it hours ago. Uh, and uh, may have just broken into Buffalo Trace because I needed some more whiskey. <laughs> Which is so, uh, when Brittany's boss goes, uh, they were talking about her bringing back some of this like instant coffee that their company makes that's only available in Japan. The best and, part of waking up, <laughs> but I, I was like, as she was like, I was thinking about asking her if she could get, you know, look for some of the, like, Yamazaki to bring back. I was like, hell, ask her to bring back some of the bourbon that we make that isn't available here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, some of the, like, gold Blantons. Yeah. Some of the stuff I'm because... sure it's available in, like, you know, dollar stores over there, but we can't get it here to save our lives. Cobbler's children have no shoes. <laughs> Pretty, Yeah. Kentucky's children have no bourbon. That, that's a lie. We have plenty of great bourbon. They're slowly taking it away from us. I'm looking at you, Heaven Hill, getting rid of your green label. Sons of bitches. Yep. I mean, I've got my private stash of green label. Don't get me wrong. And if you want some of it, you can kick rocks, because that's, that's daddy's. You go pound sand. There's nothing special about it, other than they're like, this is just for Kentucky. That's special enough. All right. Okay. Casey. Casey. I yeah. have enjoyed uh, a bubbly watermelon flavor. Mm. Been trying Bu- to. De Bouble. <laughs> De Bouble. Been trying to cut back on my alcohol consumption significantly. And so uh, 
I have a Buble paired with a Heineken 0, 0.0, which is actually better tasting than the regular Heineken. <laughs> mm-hmm. That probably, that no, that tracks. And so, uh, yeah, those, yeah. Uh, the, those two are my drinks for the evening. The Guys, watermelon I feel pretty good. Guys, I feel like we should, uh, around uh, just after November, start drinking more Buble. Oh, for yeah. I mean, that's the typical. It's the it's the time of year that that Buble has come out of his his cave to to regale us with his songs. It's so wonderful that he leans into all like it's. He does, but he also is aware like other people like troll him with that, and he is just like, I. I hate you people, but also I like money. Well, and he's had enough after what he's gone through. He's had a sense of humor. So it's like, yeah, yeah. Uh, the best thing, the best thing Michael Buble has done is the uh, ham and bubbly bit from SNL where, where they're both on. No, no one else. No one else. I, knows what I, I'm I talking about. SNL. I haven't watched SNL in 20 years. This is a clip that got recommended to me at some point. This is like 10 years old at this point. Uh, cause just John Hamm is, is like guest hosting. I'll bring it to you later. Look up Hamm and Buble. If, if you're listening to the, you know, you know, I need them listeners to together. Anyway, find that. <laughs> it's, it's great. Uh, it's, it's, it's Michael Buble singing calls for help as John Hamm has him trapped <laughs> in a restaurant. He does not believe in where they serve champagne, uh, champagne and flutes, with chunks of ham in it. Oh, God. Because oh it's bubbly and ham. I'm going to die. Uh, All right, then. Sounds delightful. All right, then. Yeah. Well, today's show was written by none other than the meat popsicle. It's a hairy, a hairy meat popsicle. Yeah, you don't want to drop that one on the floor. <laughs> uh, yeah, man has hair on top of his head, bottom of his head, and the rest of his body hairiest ass you've ever seen i'm just saying i wish i had at least the top of the head <laughs> no you don't i took a shower today and had to clean the drain twice while in the shower chris and clogged right up now yeah, never mind you know what i don't have to go to a barber anymore you're right i don't <laughs> i don't i don't i'm not envious anymore i don't have to engage in small talk with someone who's trying to get their tip <laughs> Uh, I hate small talk. Um, he used sources such as Japanese whiskey by Brian Ashcroft. Maybe singular source. Yeah, singular source, a great source. You need to go read that book if you're interested in Japanese whiskey at all. Uh, he's a former Kotaku writer, so it is a very fun read. Hmm. Interesting that someone from Kotaku wrote something good. Yeah, I mean the the writing of a of recent is kind of crap, and I don't think he writes for them anymore. So it's no, like, like the last last like four or five uh, last five or six years, I have just been like infuriated when I read something. They're like, God, this is. Some... I'm pretty sure he's one of their like back in you know one of their heyday back in writers. The yeah, 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 yeah. When they actually put out quality content, right? Well, if you want some quality quant- content, you should can subscribe and get some great resources at haveadrinkshow.com or follow us at haveadrinkshow on social media and twitch.tv. We've actually thought about, uh, we discussed earlier, we need to get the uh, 
list on our Amazon page updated on the resources. Mm. So yeah, we gotta get this one added to it. We get- just make it. You could make your own little drinks library by visiting. Get damn books. Uh, does doesn't help us at all. Get damn books. They're good reading. Uh, also, you can tell us your favorite drink, ask a question, or just leave some general feedback. Use the email address feedback at haveadrinkshow.com. Use the feedback page on the website, or you can look deep, deep into yourself. Do some personal introspection. Figure out what is the best best way to do your life. What is correct? What is, what is right for you? And then, and then, only then, concentrate deeply on what you want us to know what you want us to think about and we'll know we're there with you we you understand Im- import some peat and smoke that and use that to also that that'll else. do it too you just you you summon the peat and we're like yeah we're there all joking fun aside i'd like to remind everyone to please drink responsibly yeah um <laughs> i was like how far are we going Bob? i <laughs> didn't know until i started talking yeah. I don't know any time until I start talking. Yeah, fair enough. It's scary. Yeah. All sometimes right. I get there, sometimes I don't. So uh, check us out uh, another couple of weeks for the next episode. And um, remember to check out the store, haveadrinkstore.com. I've actually started updating that maybe when we were in the show. Um, get some water <laughs> bottles. Where we also have the new sticker for Year of Sake. 2023. It's a good sticker. Uh, so, anyway, once again, I'm Brittany the Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. I'm Christopher Walker. And I'm Casey Price. We'll see you next time. Bye. 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 Hey. Show's long. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this broker. <laughs> <laughs>